Welcome to the Growth Lab Podcast, where we talk about finding new clients, winning more contracts, and growing successful cleaning businesses. I'm your host, Matt Harris, and I run the Growth Lab. We partner with cleaning business owners to launch, accelerate, and scale the growth of their business with tried and tested systems and strategies that generate predictable revenue. If you're turning over at least six figures and you want to grow your cleaning business to seven figures plus, click on the link in the description and schedule a call. Now let's dive in. Hi guys, I'm here with James and Angel from Day Porter. I'm very happy to have them on the podcast. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. So to give the audience a little bit of flavor about what you guys do, why don't you give me some backstory about how Day Porter started and where you guys are at? I was wondering if Angel was going to jump in. Not at all, not at all. I should direct the question. James, no, 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 why don't you give me some... Yeah, we got you. We got you. Hey, Matt, thanks for having us on the show, man. Super pumped to be here. Day Porter got started, quite frankly speaking, on accident. I'm super blessed to do business with with my business partner who I love in an awesome industry with great people. But long story short, Angel and I are both obsessed with sales. We met through kind of a, a universal sales manifestation, I'll call it, and had a sales agency. It was more generalized at the time. And as God would have it, found ourselves in commercial cleaning due to some prior marketing I had done in crime scene cleanup. I'm, I'm married to a facility director, Angel. I remember him saying early on, like non-sexy businesses and one of the best sales pros I know. And as fate would have it, man, it led us to commercial cleaning two and a half years ago. And and here we are, man. So it's our, it's our niche. We love the people, love the industry, and, and ultimately love the sales game. And there's definitely one to be played here in the commercial cleaning industry. For sure. So just before we dive into that a little bit more, talk to me about crime scene cleaning, because that, that's an area that I looked into yeah, ages ago when I had a, a cleaning business. But how did you stumble upon focusing on that as a, as a niche? You know, I don't know much about the actual cleaning itself because we've always focused on the sales and marketing realm of it. But I met a guy here in Denver, Colorado that had a crime scene cleanup franchise he needed marketing help. I had a prior marketing company. We ran, I mean, he was dumping three to $4,000 a month into Google ads, seeing minimal results. So we started reaching out to property managers. We know that a typical property manager, if you oversee 180 units in an apartment, once a year, you're going to come across a bio job that's anywhere between thirty dollars to $50,000 per job. And so actually, shout out to Andrew. He's kind of the one that got us got us started in this niche when we sold that marketing company that ended up doing multiple crime scene cleanup companies. Andrew had a janitorial business and that's kind of where, where, where it all began. So he was actually client one. And nice. so he got us into the janitorial aspect of things shortly after met Angel, signed on a few more janitorial clients. And then really, we just fell in love with the industry and Angel and I made, made had this moment where we were say, saying, you know what, let's go all in on janitorial, but let's cut the business everywhere else, any software manuf- manufacturing, whatever else we were doing, yeah. let's go all in on janitorial. So that's, that led us here. There isn't really that many, I guess, sort of sales type services for janitorial businesses or, or that focus specifically on, on janitorial. So it is a great industry to get into, you know, that it's growing every year. You know, I think it by 2028, it's going to be something like a $450 billion industry, which is nuts. But that being said, like what, what have been some of the key learnings that you, you know, f- from starting from outside the industry that you guys have picked up along the way as you've, as you've grown Dayport? Angel, I'll let you take that one, man. Take, let me take the loaded one now. What are some <laughs> key learnings? And when you say key learnings, just specifically, just so I understand what you're thinking. Do you mean on the industry? Do you mean specifically on what we do? Do you mean? No, on- no, about, about the industry first. So let's, let's start with the sort of broader stroke approach. I think the one thing I've learned now being able to play on the side of like the smaller side and working with a really big company national to regional to to small i think the the part that i've noticed is there's a lot of lack of structure in most of these businesses because a lot of them start in janitorial they stick to janitorial and learn from janitorial i mm. think they there's there's a limit so like when where where i come from or i come from saas software i come from startups and i i've been part of a lot of masterminds and so I've built, like we built our knowledge in from outside 
the industry. We played in so many industries that you, you can kind of piece something together. And I've noticed that a lot of these CEOs, COOs of cleaning companies, they learn from each other, build the same as each other, and they don't really go for outside counsel or outside wisdom. There's a big difference between a small company that thinks they're big and an actual big company. And so that's really interesting to see because, I mean, if you think about what is what's the stat, James? I don't even know. It's like 90% of cleaning companies under under 2 million or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly I don't know the exact, like there's a number. I don't, don't quote us on it. Um, sure. But the 1%, they do business differently than than the rest. And so it's it's awesome to see that it's going to grow. I, I do agree that the industry is growing, but I also think we're going to find this like, there's going to start being this split between the smaller, smaller regional and national. And I think a lot of these smallers are going to start getting acquired by the regionals or, or just going out of business because it's so interesting. One of my mentors said, what happens if you pay overtime, but you don't bill overtime to your clients? How much money did your company just lose? If you're already running on a 5 to 8% net margin at the end of the year, what happens if you don't bill one day? What happens if you miss a billing? What happens if somebody's clocking in late? What happens if he's like the the game of, of janitorial is a game of business strategy and, op- and like control, operational control? So it's like, I don't know, my key findings, man, have been get it together, get outside, cancel, build out that structure and take yourself serious. Stop taking yourself as a janitor. Nice. And in saying that, what, I guess, what are some of the, the tools that you brought in from outside the industry that you feel have had the biggest impact on, on the clients that you've worked with? I don't know about tools. I don't know if I want to plug in tools here or like give shout outs. I totally would love to. Sure, uh, I guess, like, or processes, but, but you know, yeah. systems, approaches, that sort of thing. I mean, there's three areas. One is like you have to have technology nowadays. If you don't believe in technology, like I don't know what to tell you. The amount hmm. of technology and assistance that we have out there, that's one. The second is definitely going to be the oper- financial wisdom. You need to have somebody that understands the financials and not hmm. just money in and money out, but it's like money in, money out, tax credits, credits whenever you do something loaded labor versus just labor like all the negotiating with your suppliers things like that like again one one of my biggest lessons that somebody told me is like do you guys charge on leap year he's like on leap year do you charge your clients one more day and he's like if the answer is no and you have 100 employees working that day you just lost profit you just lost most of your profit for the year so it's 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 those outside wisdoms like do you understand me and James have been diving deep and like, do you actually understand how to develop the people, play the game and the strategy of the game, and then make money while you're doing it? I would, I would probably add to that. I would probably say mindset too. Angel talked about outside, count, outside counsel and how you, you, you learn from a janitor, you run with janitors, you think like a janitor, and there's some high qualities to that, mm-hmm. but getting outside perspective and mindset, I think, I think the companies that we see crush it they invest in leadership, leadership training. They invest, I mean, Angel Rolls with the big company that invests in personality tests for every one of their, their employees. Oh, wow. Like that sounds odd when you connect that to janitorial, but is mm. it odd when you see the success of the big dogs succeeding? So like leadership, personal development of the people. Acquisitions. You. We've been seeing a lot of our clients invest in actual service additional services for their companies and putting money where their mouth is not just thinking about it but like cool i'm gonna acquire another company to join and roll with me okay and that is that to diversify or is that to like expand on the existing service offering both both you you diversify your business but you expand your business at the same time it's like it's a game of market share wherever you play it's a game of market share and so it's like important to understand how much market share you you cover the more services you have, the more you can play. And I think like what you were saying, I think we're going to see a transition of if you're in commercial cleaning, you can't just be cleaning. It's going to transition into facility services, facility management, facility maintenance, security, like, cause you're playing in the same labor pool too, which is crazy. And in sales too, like even when you have one salesperson, if you go and you arm your salesperson with one service, to find one client 
that just happens to be actively looking for that one service, like you just decreased your your audience. Like at at, at the moment, well, in general, only about three percent of people are actively looking for your services. Three percent of your prospect, meaning if I have a list of a hundred, only three of them are looking. Now my job as a salesperson is to like find them at the time, make sure they're there, and make sure that my competition is similar to me or less than me. Because if they offer more than me and are better than me, then my 3% just went down. I think there's a reason why FM companies are, are the biggest players in the cleaning market, because they, they have obviously a suite of services that they're able to offer. 100%. Um, have, you, have you found that challenging with the businesses that you work with? Like, Do you encourage them to look at diversifying options or or are you like, you know what, you guys are, are really focused on offering this particular type of cleaning that kind of puts you, you know, in on hallowed turf because there, there's very little competition out there who can deliver the service as good as you do. So let's just focus on, you know, growing this one channel for you and putting all effort into that. Uh, what, what, how do you generally tend to approach that? Or, or do clients even involve you in that aspect of, of their sort of business development conversations? Well, I mean, sometimes it depends where the relationship and, and where we meet the client along their journey. But ultimately, I say you have to nail janitorial first. There's a lot of janitorial companies out there that might not provide great service. So like, let's assume, let's play under the assumption that you provide a good service, a key core service, which is janitorial. But we have an awesome client recently, you know, I don't know, three to $5 million in janitorial revenue. And now she's offering not just commercial landscape, she acquired two other residential landscape companies. That's actually made her look into acquisition of an already established Airbnb cleaning business. Nice. So, cause she was already like Angel said, hiring from that labor pool. So she's like, Hey, for, I can buy these smaller companies for cheaper than I could go acquire new clients in, in this space or start a new business, quote unquote, in this space. And 100%, we were pretty involved from day one of closing, helping build out that business development process. But I do think that's where, but they their core service was janitorial and it was janitorial for 40 years until, oh. that, until that leap was made. Now, you can say that was maybe too long, but... They knew that they had, they were hitting a ceiling with janitorial, maybe in their market. So let's diversify. Let's pull from the same labor pool, and now let's scale in other avenues. And well, they also it, do more snow removal too. Now, great question. Wow. Snow removal—that's <laughs> another one. So, like all of a sudden, when you take over a facility, we can do your landscape, we can do your janitorial, we can do your paint, we can do your snow removal. Like you become, this is an angel term, inevitable to that to that facility. I think like one of the things to take in consideration too is like how much different uh, keeping a facility clean if you get hired that's an expectation that's not a differentiator hmm. and I that was one of one of our clients told us that like if you're leading saying that you are the best in cleaning it's like what makes you different well, it doesn't make any sense because that's the expectation the expectation is that if I'm paying you a hundred thousand dollars a year a million dollars a year or you win this contract my facility is clean that's not a differentiator that's that's the bare minimum. And it's interesting because a lot of cleaning companies leverage that as their number one differentiator. <laughs> I'll yeah, keep the yeah. facility king, best in the business. And it's like, that's when I'm like, how much research have you done about the industry? How much do you know your client? Like, does your client, unless you're a medical facility, which you have to have all these certifications, mm -hmm. or you're in a hospital, but they also care about like flexibility, staffing, operations, who is in the building, how are you doing your background checks, the security certifications, like the other stuff that have nothing to do with the cleaning because they're dealing with patients. So it's interesting when I see, when we talk to different business owners, the higher their mindset, the higher their level, the less, the more separated they are from identifying themselves as, as a technician or as a cleaner or as a janitor when they start developing themselves, they know that the game they're playing is not to be the best at cleaning, right? But they understand that the game they're playing is a numbers game, it's a sales game, and it's a, it's a growth game at the end of the day here. And then it's a development of, of people, a retention of people, cost you a lot of money to lose people. Yeah. So when your differentiator is 
I'll keep your facility clean or I'm the number one in cleaning. It's like, how do you even show that? Unless you have some crazy processes where you're going to go through my building with UV light and things like that. But we know that most janitorial companies are barely even, as you grow, doing an inspection <laughs> on a monthly basis. And so unless you're doubling not on that, doubling down on that portion of it, your differentiator be, better be something else. So what are some of the other differentiators, aside from offering additional services that you come across for or uh, that you help the, the best businesses to, to develop? So we don't help. I don't. I just want to make sure we're on the same picture. Um, sure. Can we help them? Of course. But a lot of it comes internally, which is something we don't get hired for. So let me give you an example, like operate, operational excellence and expertise. Like who is your team built out of? Is your team built by people that have been in the industry as long as you have? Or did you go and hire top of the top dogs to say, hey, look, all together, we're, we've been in the industry for 300 years managed over 50 million square feet. Hmm. This is our previous job. Like one would be the team development. Like who does your team compromise of? Because when they see if you're winning a big contract and they see that you've never cleaned a big contract and they don't want to give it to you. But if they see that all your team is made up of people that have, that's something that definitely can differentiate you. Technology can differentiate you. I've been in calls where the bigger the contract, the more they want to know that what you use internally so that they understand how protected they are okay. as a company. But again, let's say we're going big RFP. Now, let's say we're going small. Alex Ramosi says it's best, like, play the game that you have now. So when you're small, you get to say, like, I will literally be on response. <laughs> within a mi- you call me and here's my number and I got you. And that's yeah. something a big company can't promote or can't provide. That's something you can so 24-hour response time, direct line to the CEO, like whatever it is that you can play with that you know that a bigger company is not going to be able to play with. Yeah. So I think it's just more understanding who are you serving, what do they want, and what do you what can you provide outside of the service that fits what they're, what they're looking for. So James, you were going to say something? No, I, I think Angel hit it spot on, actually. I, I would say on the smaller side, too. And when I say smaller, like, let, let's think like 5 million and under now, just for context. Like, I think experience from start to finish, not cleaning mm-hmm. experience, client, client experience from the sales process, from how you're doing the walkthroughs to how you're presenting the proposal to your follow-up to the onboard. One of one of our longest lasting clients, I love what he says at every walkthrough. He'll show up and he'll say, hey, listen, what's your biggest differentiator, for example? You know what? We're going to mess up. That's what he said. We're going to mess up. The difference is we're going to pick up the phone and be accountable. And that's we all are going to mess up. Cleaning, you're going to have cleaners not show up. You're going to have mistakes happen. You're going to have theft. Whatever the case may be, there is going to be a mistake And just kind of getting ahead of that objection and that obstacle before it ever happens, but reassuring them like, hey, but we're going to be accountable. He talks about like the three R's, be responsive, build the relationship and ultimately give the end result, a clean facility. So like you don't have to like overcomplicate this if you're a smaller company, you just have to position yourself differently and then ask yourself what experience are you providing from like literally start to finish and then how are you maintaining that experience throughout your the lifeline of the client we both had josh melton on respective podcasts and one thing that he said you know he's big on relationship marketing building the relationship from from day one whether that's him going in personally into facilities every so often and you know checking in with the key decision makers but he said a similar thing where you know if you focus on once you have the contract, obviously, if you focus then on developing that relationship to because there is going to come a point when you are going to mess up and it, it, something is yeah. going to go wrong. But if you've invested, if you put the investment in up front, then it's going to be much smoother sailing for you to, to not just rectify that, but also, you know, maintain a good working relationship with with the client. Because quite often, if you don't invest the time to build the relationship, then, you know, when things do mess up, you know, facilities managers or office managers or whatever, they'll, you know, jump onto Google and look at the next thing. Like, what, who, who can we find to replace this? And uh, a lot of them won't even look into Google. They already have a big vendor, yeah. a bunch of people they can go to. 
one of the things that both of you guys have mentioned is is obviously mind mindset and developing personally and developing your your leadership team for for businesses what when you i guess start working with clients is there often a reluctance for you know business owners to kind of go down that route have you been met with with challenges because from my perspective you know over here in the uk i have tried to lead from that approach and it, it just gets rebuffed they're like nah we want results we're, we're not interested in in that aspect of it and i'm just wondering you know i know obviously the the sales process is a little bit different and the the commercial market is a little bit different over in the us but is is the development aspect something you have to encourage or is it something that a lot of business owners are like look i know that if i you know if i'm going to get from here to there this this is the path or this is what i need to do anyway well let me give some real, real quick cuz i know we we're just talking about relationships and i wanted to make a point and it's going to bleed straight into this i think a lot of people think relationships is about do i like you which is fine like if we like each other we could be friends with good buddies like people want to go fishing and work out or not work out i don't know why i just said that like grab a beer go to the bar but relationships also are built on respect and that's not something people think about too often they just think that i just have to be likable that's it but it's like can i respect you even from woman to man to man to woman to ceo to ceo like facility to facility special doesn't matter the question is can i respect you and so to answer your question now on the development side is every time we work with someone i think they understand that because they know who we are mm. not as a company but personally they know that we are going to call them up not call them out call them up because we don't call people out we call people up to their to their potential they know that if they were to go look at my instagram they're going to see me running Spartan races or trying to develop myself, being paying money to be in masterminds. They know that James is never going to answer the phone after 6 p.m. because his family's his priority, prioritizing his health as well. Like when I think like one of my friends said, when you when your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you say. That's important. And so build relationships on respect. Can I respect you as a human being before I can even respect you as a business owner? When they can respect you as a human being, then they see you as a business. Then they know what your business stands for. James always says that. Like he's huge on our core values, what we stand for, what we're part of. So when one of our clients are having a tough conversation with them, tries to tell us not to develop them, then we'll rather not do business with them. Mm. Because it's not about just hiring an appointment setter we know there's a bunch of companies that do appointment setting there's a bunch of dude there's a bunch of companies that could do sales strategy 20 times better than me Hmm. easy they're 50 times like experts that have been 100 years in the industry that probably look at us because we haven't been in the industry so long and hate us Hmm. because we have so much attention and it's not the attention because we do all this cool marketing it's just because we know what we stand for and you know what you're getting when you're coming when you're when you're dealing with us so if you expect and James and I go back and forth on this in a good way. We're like, damn, do we say that to that client? Like, should we call mm-hmm. him up on it? Should like, what's going on? We'll tell them, hey, you know what? It looks like this is not working. Like, we're going to actually stop the partnership because you have these beliefs and we have these beliefs and we're just not aligning together on in business and in accountability. So we're going to take our accountability and remove ourselves from the equation because we're just not being valuable to you. You'll yeah. be surprised how many conversations I've, we've had with them where I'm like, look, man, I care about your money. I don't want to take your money if it's not producing money back. So if, if and, I, and then they'll be like, no, let's keep trying. We had people say like, we, let's keep trying. Let's keep going. And I'm like, based on our projections, based on where we're at, this is not going to be a good investment to you. And because of what, what our values are, which one of them is extreme ownership and genuine care is another one. Because of those two, I have to let you go. So again, I don't think it's, if it's UK, if it's US, I think just as human beings, none of us are down to be challenged. None of us are about to be pushed unless the person pushes us because we respect what, what they're part of and what they're building. When, yeah. we com- when we're able to buy into their to theirs, not sell it, you know? So, okay. like, I've had mentors that tell me stuff and I'm like, eh. Like, they're not really mentors. They're just people trying to throw fluff at me and I'm like, I don't <laughs> like it. But I guarantee you the mentors that I do have around me 
including James, they say something and I listen because there's a reason like I've, I've hitched my wagon to them, you know? No, that's fair. So look, I want to change tack a little bit and talk about your the evolution of Day Porter. So obviously there was a little bit of background in terms of crime scene cleaning, but take me through like milestones over the last two or three years, you know, where you guys started and, and how it's evolved into the, the service and the community that you guys are offering today. So we, we started just as a sales agency, like I said, and a lot of just figuring it the hell out <laughs> along the way. And by doing that, we, we scaled up. And then we crashed and burned and we got our teeth kicked in, frankly speaking. I, I admire Angel's commitment. We were working virtually for, I don't know, I think like a year, year and a half or something. We had never met in person, ironically okay. enough. And then he finally, he was like, you know, I need to make the commitment. I need to move out to Denver, Colorado and oh, kind wow. of double down on making this work. We built our team in Nicaragua. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a whole different story, but our team's in Nicaragua. A lot of people outsourced to the Philippines, India, all that we fell in love with the culture and people in Nicaragua. Spanish really has benefited us. Angel speaks Spanish. The industry is very Spanish heavy. So it just made okay. sense. The same time zone, all of that. So we started building our team in Nicaragua. Angel moves to Colorado. And, you know, this is the great comeback. This is where the turnaround happens. We got our teeth kicked in again. <laughs> and it's, and, you know, I mean, it's the typical entrepreneurial story. The, a few things we did along the way is we stayed true to our core values, extreme ownership. So like when we were getting our ass kicked, we owned it. And I think mm. we were very honest about it. I don't think a lot of businesses can take a lot of the punches that we've taken and, and keep going. That's where that respect comes in. I think with a lot of our clients, our clients knew what we were going through and our clients have seen us stick around. A lot of people yeah. dip into this industry from a sales standpoint and dip out. We have stuck here. So we created our podcast, The Profitable Cleaner, just because we wanted a message. We felt like we had a message to be said, a lot of personal development talk, a lot of sales talk, and we stay in our lane with what we and, know. And, and lead generation too. Let's get yeah, lead, honest, yeah. the strategy behind the podcast is for sure lead gen. We had no yeah, clue totally. how to learn from the industry. No doubt, no doubt. We wanted to be more connected. We yeah. wanted to be connected with people like yourself that we get to interview and speak with. So we started the podcast, not really, at least from my perspective, taking it seriously, but we were... We were doing a podcast and then yeah. we were, we started pr producing content and then we started meeting awesome people like yourself. And one thing led to another. Once you speak with those people and they see what you're about, like Angel was saying, doors start to open. Angel was like, Hey, let's host an event. Let's get the best CEOs in one room. Hmm. And, and let's make magic happen. We're going to bring the experts in that we don't know anything about, just like we do on our podcast. We'll stick to what we know, outbound sales and all of that. And, and let's run it. And uh, I'm reading the book, The Obstacle is the Way Now. And it talks oh, about Ryan it. Holiday, love it. It's such a great book. It. it talks about you find love through struggle with, with oh, each I other. And uh, I, I loved my team. I loved our company. I loved my business partner. But man, I loved it almost more when we were running up 20, 30K on a business credit card <laughs> and not knowing how we were going to make payroll because we were going to put on the best damn event mm. in, in the industry from, from our perspective. And or depending on outside money, like we were consulting yeah. on the side, doing a lot of different, like leveraging our time and our skills to feed the business, you know, and ourselves yeah, totally. on the event real quick, James, because I think there's like, I was, I got a memory, I think on Facebook, we went to our first event in the industry. We we're like, you know what, let's commit. And we went to our first event, cleaners and cocktails in Chicago. And again, I come from the software and the mastermind space. So I paid, I like one of the masterminds, we had a podcast guest, Nicholas Barely. I mean, his his runs twenty thousand dollars and up every year to be part of his mastermind, and so I would go and I was part of their elite, and I would always share my vision and what I wanted to do. And Dave Porter came in, and my vision started changing. And then we went to Clears and Cocktails, and we're like, you know what? Let's go see what's up. We paid like three grand all in, not like with flights and all that, not even with flights. And Uber was the most expensive, but. <laughs> so we could have a little booth in the little expo. So we're like, let's, hell, let's go. Let's do this. We go there and we start learning that it's like, it's an event. 
and it's an it's an industry event where it's an expo and people are talking and they're pitching and they're talking. We met some great people and we did this cool marketing move where we wore a shirt. Everybody was going to wear their professional shirts and we wore a shirt that said clean profits, like profit, but like a profit, not a profit of money. But we yeah, did yeah. put a money sign at the end <laughs> and I wore this chain. I remember I had a chain and I had clean profit. So like everybody's dressed nice. And then you see these two dudes that don't own a commercial cleaning company walk around in a black shirt with clean profits. You'll be surprised how many people are like, I want one. What's that? I want to be a part of that. I don't know what that is. And that was us kind of, that's when we realized, okay, this is our moment to do our event. And we did, we wanted to do something different. We want to bring the mastermind. We want to bring the transformational event. And we did, we hosted it. It was either we made it or we didn't. And we made it, thanks to God, we made it after that event. And I think that was our big pivot this past November that gave us the credibility. Now you have a community. Now you have a podcast with 90 something episodes up to now. Now mm -hmm. you have an annual event that everybody was like, whoa, this is something we haven't done before. Now you, now they want to be a cleaning profit. You have profitable cleaner. And then you have the name day porter. So it's like, now it all started kind of trickling itself in. And now our operations are hitting after failing for so long. So it's like, now we feel like it's it's time and that's yeah. why the second event that we're doing is called the statement that's okay. our theme because it's not only are we going to make a statement to the world this upcoming september 12th everybody else that's going to be there is going to walk away with a statement both personally professionally and for their company so yeah. it's going to be some it's going to be a great time nice and what like what what's the aside from making a statement like what what's the underlying theme of the event what will people get out of attending the event obviously there's there's expert speakers by the sounds of it there's an opportunity to network to you know feel a bigger part of the community like what what else have or how how has your second event changed from the first event that you ran i think i mean we do things a little bit different but definitely going to be more transformational we love transformational focus internal transformation but when i mean theme like like when you talk about the statement we're going to make people come up with a statement. I mean, most people don't even understand what statement they're trying to make in themselves to this year in their company. And we're talking like, whether you think you're making a statement or not, you are. And so the question that, that, I, that you have to ask yourself is, what, what statement am I making now? Hmm. What statement am I making to my wife, to my kids, to my family, to my surroundings, to my business, to my employees? And so imagine walking in as a blank canvas or as a canvas written all over because you've been so overwhelmed with information and and just obstacles in life and you don't know what you're trying to do and then imagine that in two and a half days you'll walk out with clear clarity on who you are what and what you're trying to say and what you're gonna say again that back to that line like your actions speak so louder i can't so loud i can't hear what you say that's what that event's gonna be all about i mean we're gonna have morning workouts we're gonna have vip <laughs> dinners we're gonna have speakers that you don't hear in the industry as well we're huge believers on not going after only industry speaker we are going to have round tables so that you can talk with industry experts it's going to be a little bit of everything it's going to yeah. be a little, but but i mean like where there's a big emphasis on that statement and then develop the development between the people okay nice that's good and so from from a, a cleaning perspective okay so an observation that i have is that it sounds like you're almost transforming and in, transforming into more of a like a coaching and ed educational business rather than a service provider is that something that is on the horizon no, not at all we don't want to be in the coaching space whatsoever that exactly i i think it comes down to we we really do believe in a statement like your success will never outgrow you so like it doesn't matter what you do in the business world if you're winning or losing, it's because of what you're doing internally. And our clients understand that about themselves. Our clients that are winners, they're winners everywhere. So it's like, at the end of the day, our goal as a service is to make you more money through sales. If we want to make more money through sales, we have to show up to be the best version of ourselves. You have to show up to be the best version of yourself. You can't be fighting with your wife five minutes before attending the biggest walkthrough of your life. Mm. What's that going to give off? You can't be a shitty leader and then expect operational excellence. So like, but then as a sales partner of yours, if the goal is more revenue, 
okay, cool. We can make more cold calls. We can send more emails, talk to more prospects, but are we closing more deals? Mm -hmm. No, we're not. Okay. Why? It's not the way your proposal looks. We've seen beautiful proposals win. we've seen the ugliest proposals win. it's <laughs> not the, it's not the price. We've seen the highest bid win and the lowest bid win. It's the approach. And that approach starts with you. So that's kind of like why we're again, going back to what Angel was saying in alignment, we know who we are and mm -hmm. the people that work with us, we know who they are. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's why, that's why there's a winning result. Okay. And I mean, like, so yes, the, I mean, we are an educational platform. We're just not going to go into code. Like, I don't want to be the guy that, because I see a lot of people in the industry and out the industry, but it's like, hey, I'll coach you. I'll be your personal coach. We're not going into that game. Sure. Our podcast is an educational platform. Our event, of course, it's an educational opportunity, but that's separate from, from what, what we do as a business. So those are two separate so two separate goals. And so like one goal is to make you money, save you money by hiring us instead of hiring a full-time employee and paying a bunch of money. You hire a company, we build out the team for you and let's go. Now we're testing recruiters, we're testing operations specialists, and then we're all, and we already have the sales development role. And so our company is growing in that sense. The podcast and the event is an education for sure. It's an educational platform coming to the people and it's only getting bigger and better. But those, that I just want to make sure I, I separate it from the other business and definitely not going into coaching. Definitely not. not. That... There's a lot of coaches <laughs> out there already. I, I'm all cool with coaches, but I rather provide a network of, of mentors. So like I always talk about this. We have Ale Mr. Melgar, Alex Melgar. We have Mark Anderson, Sharon Corin. We have Dan Lindsay. We have a lot of people in our network. They would be down to coach because that's mm -hmm. what they do. But they're more consultants. I'll connect them with them because... I can't fix most facility maintenance companies at all. I can talk about sales processes, but I can't yeah. talk about that. So like today, yesterday, one of our clients actually called me. He's like, hey, man, going out for this huge bid. These are the requirements. This is where I'm stuck. Can you help? And I say, yes, I can by connecting you with, with, with Mark Anderson because I, I don't know how to do it. So that part, we are building that for sure. We're building that network and have mm. access to those educations. But not and not, not going into the coaching. Been there, yeah. done that for another industry. <laughs> Super fun, but no. Okay, so look, we that we've covered a lot of ground in terms of like the internals and finding your center, having been in the headspace. Talk to me a little bit more about the the tactical side of things. So you know, sales development. You've mentioned you know building a sales team, doing outreach, lead generation, that type of thing. What what industry do you? Not what industry. What sector do you guys predominantly operate in? Is it facilities? Is it procurement for sort of manufacturing or logistics? Like what? What is the sort of sweet spot or where most of your clients focus? Well, let, let me ask you. A, I mean, let me flip it on you and ask you a, a question too on that. Sure. For anybody listening that is a like a commercial cleaning or a facility maintenance, what do you think they would want to know? Because like. I don't think it, for us, it's, we have such a big range that you're going to get all kinds of industries. Some people love property management. Some others only like class A buildings. Some only like, believe it or not, there's some that like thrive in restaurants because they love that subcontractor world. Some yeah. people love, so hospitals, medical, we can go into like industries, okay, but let's go middle of the road, office cleaning contracts. So what exactly do you want to know on that? Your, so talk me through your, an approach that you take to help clients win more office cleaning contracts. Like, talk me through the process. So, so I am cleaning company, gotcha, Joe gotcha. Blogs. I come to you and I say, look, you know, I'm currently turning over $500,000 a year. You know, my objective for the next 12 months is to generate an additional <clears throat> $150,000 in revenue. Gotcha. Target contracts that are roughly, you know, thirty dollars to $50,000 in value. So ultimately, I'm looking to win another three to five of those types of cleaning contracts over the next 12 months. Gotcha. I've tried so you want us A, B, and C. Your process or process. Yeah. I mean, the first question I would ask them, and this I love this question. They're like, I want to win more fifty thousand dollar contracts, and I'm a five hundred thousand dollar client. Awesome, man! How many fifty thousand content fifty thousand dollar clients do you have? That question alone will bring them back to reality really fast because I can tell you, somebody listening to this, they're like, I want a million dollars, and I'm like, <laughs> How many million dollar contracts do you have? None. What's your biggest? Ten thousand. Okay. All right. Well. There's stepping, there is stepping stones to this. One of our mentors said it better. 
whenever you show your proposal and you show you've never closed that many square, clean that many square feet, they're going to question you and you're probably not going to make it. So that's the first question. The second thing that we ask them is, okay, cool. Why do you want that one? A lot of them just add, because it's easier to clean. Okay. But it's also harder to get into. So why do you really want that? What, what industries are we truly going to commit to? The other question we ask is, or the part of our process, if someone's listening to this, I would actually go map out your clients, go map out your clients, and then also tear out your clients. So like, if you have zero to 20,000, let's say a month, MR is your biggest client, tear them out so that you understand what tier of clients you want. Because you might find that you only have two really big clients and then the rest are in the middle. And so it's like, I need more bigger, or actually I'm depending on three accounts. Mm. I need more medium ones because if one of them leaves me, I'm going to be in such a bad position. So like yeah. I ask them to tear it out after you tear it out, then we're going to map up, map out your current clients so that we can figure out what areas you're going to work around. That way you can start filling in some deal, little deals or medium deals in between your already existing route. And then to this is a quick one that we love to do is go through your, go pull up all your old proposals and ghosted opportunities mm -hmm. and just blitz those. Just blitz them. Just put them into a little CRM or pick mm -hmm. up your phone, put an Excel sheet, and we're just going to call every single proposal that you've lost, every single opportunity that ever ghosted you, and we're going to see why you lost it and see if we can rekindle. Most people lose it because they didn't follow up. And so one follow-up, man. That's it. One follow-up. It takes more than that. <laughs> exactly. Dude, 85% of salespeople follow up once. 85%. Yeah. When I be part of the 1%, takes your 17 to 15 touch points until they say no. So that's one thing that, that we do. I mean, honestly, to get into an office building, dude, it's the same thing. We cold call. We LinkedIn message. We, we identify, And then we do email. We identify who's your influencer versus who you're actually decision maker versus who's your champion. Yeah. Like your office manager could be your champion that if you make friends with them, they'll move you up the chain. Your influencer might be HR because they see a lot of sick days or the facilities guy. And then your decision maker might be the actual facilities manager or owner, etc. So I think like most people don't succeed because they don't even understand what they want, what mm. they want, why they want it. If you understand what you want and why you want it, make sure it makes sense. Like strategically, then you get after it. You know, fair enough. And how, so with the clients that come to you, how often do you have to go through and build a process from scratch versus actually clients who are, you know, 95% there, but just need help to tip you over, to tip them over that extra 5% to really make everything pop? So clients are hiring us to build their outbound process typically. Okay. So, and even in the rare cases that they might have a, an outbound process in place, they end up adapting hours. So like from an outbound perspective, it's typically they're speaking to us because, because they trust in our philosophy and our process. Now on the second end of that is we do get in talks with clients sometimes with like, hey, what does your, your actual sales process look like? And just... I don't want to say the word coach, mm -hmm. but, uh, but we do give some input on like, Hey, this is, we're in this unique driver's seat where we see companies coast to coast in the U S of what they do well and what they don't do well. And so we can say, Hey, you're doing this in your walkthrough. Why are you sending your, your brand new operations person to the walkthrough when they've never made a sale in their life? For instance, like mm. there, there's some things that we can kind of help guide along the way. And our team can also, and, and does follow up with proposals that have been sent from walkthroughs that we have set that have gone ghost because yeah. we always want to get to that yes or, or a no, but really building a process from scratch, people are, are adapting our outbound process. And then it's just a case by case with what their actual, let's call it internal processes once the walkthrough happens. Okay. And yeah, have you, we're not really building process. They're like paying us for the result at the end of the day. Sure. But there's a few that don't have anything and then we'll help them out. But it's even like a super overview of a process is just most people just don't follow anything. You don't have to have <laughs> all these crazy auto. Like I think we get in our, we have to have AI and automations and all these different buckets. If you don't understand it, you got to go learn how logic 
works in any of this before you even try to build out. They try to do too much. And I'm like, it's as simple as put them in one bucket, second bucket, call them, follow up via email, connect with them on LinkedIn. Are you doing mm -hmm. your research? Doing a summary. Are you stopping by for coffee? Like, if this is business simple development. Things, yeah, exactly. Things. Exactly. I love automation. I love AI. Don't get me wrong. We're going to get more involved in it. Do you really need it now? No. Yeah, and yeah. then the bigger you get, like the bigger the contract, like an RFP is, they give, they already tell you what to do and what the rules are. So yeah, now the yeah, key yeah. question exactly. is, is you're more betting on the presentation, which is your proposal and your ability to hit their targets financially and strategically. Yeah. So that's so why I'm like, don't overthink it. And having it. some sort of relationship as well, that, that kind of helps with the RFP process. Oh, 100%. Because, you know, you, you to be able to have open dialogue, not necessarily to give you guidance, but to at least get a little bit of feedback and understand a lot more as to what, what is expected. So even if you lose on this occasion, you know, you take that learning into the next process because you understand if you've identified your ideal client profile, you're targeting similar sorts of clients, you're going to go through a similar sort of RFP process. You'll take the learnings from one, you know, flip it into the other. And, and over time, you know, you build up that knowledge bank that's going to enable you to, to increase your conversion rate and also 100%. build up your contacts. 100%. That, that there is like such an underrated comment that you just said, your contacts, man. Like people sure. only want to build relationships when they're doing the sale, but it's like... Mm. Do I see you are involved in the community? Do you know, do we, do we somehow run in all the same circles? Like we always say, like, can I live in, like, can you live inside their brain? Like one of my biggest goals this year now is getting involved with the community. Because mm. I've been such a virtual guy that I'm like, <laughs> well, then you'll never see me running your circles unless it's virtual or we all fly somewhere. I'm like, how can I get in your circles? And so the bigger the client, the more relationships matter where you can position yourself as the expert the expert that they know in that specific field and so that this is just i just want to say that because a lot of people all they want to do is work all they want to do is build and it's like one of coach burt michael burt always says you don't need more money you need more people because people have the money the more people you know the more money you make get out there and if it's not a sale today it doesn't mean it's not gonna be a sale in two years and so you better build now with an intention of just being the person of interest, like the expert. For sure. This is also why it's so important to build your network outside of just your email. Like this is why I should be connected with you on LinkedIn for when you switch jobs and you become the facility director at a new facility. We actually had that recently just happened with a client sold a facility director. It's a good contract. That facility director two years in moved switch jobs they obviously have a relationship hired them for that that next facility so off of that one relationship there's two different contracts and two different buildings but so many people just try to converse back and forth through email pick up the phone call someone text someone have them on linkedin and also like genuinely care about what the f they're doing like you can't fake like intention and it doesn't mean like you have to be some some like big hearted person and care about everything they're doing, but you do have to like you know know a little bit about what's going on in their life or ask questions about them. You know when when someone gets a new job on LinkedIn, actually look at the position, congratulate them, know where that the, they came from, etc. Like I mean, it, it's simple people skills which will take you so far in the sales game, especially in janitorial. I think anywhere, uh, any industry, but like being more intentional, that's like business development. I, I love that word because it's, I mean, it's developing the business, the business includes people. It's, and again, I, I can talk all day about it, but it's, I haven't done a great job. I know how to build. I have a great virtual way of connecting with people and have a good network there. Now I need to I need to get better on the on the local level on the in person events on the there's yeah, power too, in those as well, man. <laughs> there's power in those and yeah, for sure. a bunch of old people only on those and we gotta make go make our statement now you know go yeah. go go in there so well look guys we've been going for nearly an hour I've got I've got one more question I just want to ask before Let's I do it with one quick fire one so. Ooh. You mentioned often you, or, or on occasion, you help 
people build the sales process or you give them guidance as to how they can adjust their sales process. What sort of learning have you taken from cleaning businesses that you've worked with that has adjusted the way that your process operates, that has adjusted the approach that you've taken to speaking with certain clients or being able to get access to particular clients that you've learned from you know, cleaning businesses that you've worked with because they, they've found an approach that, that works? It's a really good question. I'm going to ask you a question to help me clarify that question. Sure. So are you looking to figure out what we see works with the cleaning companies that we've seen success with from from a process aspect or what we've learned based on on just working with these companies that have- what you've learned based on on with the company so for example yeah. i have you know i have been running a cleaning business for 20 years and i've had massive success in winning government contracts because of this particular approach that i take with government contracts and it's not just you know completing the rfp you know, it is going through, like, identifying who the decision makers are, like getting them out for coffee, you know, I don't know whether yeah, there's yeah. a way that you introduce yourself to them, which then opens the door to other opportunities. But I just think that there's, there's ways that industry professionals who've been in an industry for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years plus, they've figured out a particular way to do one aspect of it. And even though that doesn't translate into them having like a, a perfect sales system overall, which they need help with, like that one particular aspect enables, allows them to, to win on a consistent basis. I mean, our clients, mentors are super smart and they definitely have a lot to offer that we've learned from them at least. I mean, I can think of a lot. Again, one of them is what I'm trying to work on, which is stop being a digital behind the screen guy and actually go out on the field because like Bradley says, the more hands you shake, the more money you make, like all those things, like, that one, that one's an true and tried one. The second one that I've learned that we've actually implemented ourselves is the like almost like the power of roots and maps. Mm. I mean, I'm in SaaS and software. We, the world is our our prospect. Like we don't care about we don't care about territory management. We don't care about how long does it take you to from point A to point B until hunting somewhere based on where your client like the power of google hunting basically or using a software to like map things has been one of the biggest lessons for me because you don't want to book something an hour away when you're cleaner when mm. you already have a route that's like that needs more emphasis 30 minutes away from that you don't want to send them and so that's been the fun one then the power of the third one is the way they do rfps for me personally has been intense because i mean again i'm software I'm the guy that I'll send you the contract. You sign it digitally. Let's get it going today. <laughs> I'll give you access. These are some RFPs, the way they, again, you have basic proposals. Then you got like those big boys, like those $5 million, like the big contracts, like the science behind all that, mm. the way that where they put their wording, how they put their price. Like I learned recently that apparently when you first and give your proposals, like between everybody, they narrow it down to the bottom three just from design just from design and professionalism alone. Wow. And then based on how you present yourself, then we're going to go look at you and your team and do a meeting. And then we're going to look at pricing. Now, once we narrow down from competition, which mm. I thought was really interesting. And I'm not talking design like, whoa, he had more colors, but like your positioning. Can you okay. stand out from all of them? So I was like, whoa, what the, I didn't know that. Again, I'm talking big contracts, but like, I'm like, damn, if I could implement that in a smaller company, like, game on like i'll tell you one more sorry i have a friend he's bidding on a huge national company huge national company he's like i've never done this he's like you know what they're making me do he's like i'm bidding for my region there's like mm. 10 properties in his region what they're making all of us do that are bidding on the region we're gonna fly to their national headquarters and they're gonna make us bid on 20 of their top properties after we walk them that are mm. not in my region <laughs> and i have to give them a proposal for those Based on the proposal, and if I pass the requirements, the Tesla, then they'll allow me to bid on the 10 over here. They're not even going to accept oh, the wow. 20 over there. They're going to just, that's just so <laughs> that I can get the opportunity to bid over here. So it's like, shit, like those, the way they play strategic games like that, both the customer yeah. and the cleaner has to do it. It's like, to me, it's like, whoa, like I've never had to do, but hey, you win that contract, you, you just, hey, you just have to go and hire 200 new employees. So 
that that to me no, territory. James, you got anything to add? Mine's like totally different. When I like <clears throat> just quickly, the the people I see that we work with that are just like top performers and winners, and what I've learned from them, it's been incredible. Like I think they're really good at thinking more mm-hmm. and before they can think bigger and before something happens. And I think that's a that's a skill set I've learned over time. I think they're really great at removing themselves too. I think I think and putting themselves around people like that can be a better expert and better at what they do. And also the way that they communicate. And I'm not talking about communicate like literally like with how they speak and their messaging. Obviously, great leaders are great communicators. But like you don't want to be sending a shit ton of emails to a busy CEO. They're very direct and to the point. Uh, when, when I think about like our, our biggest contacts or biggest clients, they pick up the phone and they call me and mm-hmm. I do it back. And it's, and, and I just know that that's how business is still done. Obviously there's a time and place for email and for and messaging and all that, but they pick up the phone and they get it done. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think, we're, we're kind of seeing this new day of like, I'll email first versus yeah. like, you know, and like, I get it. I do it. I'm guilty of it. But it's like, pick up the phone, communicate, be direct and, and, and let's move. And, they, and they I, move I like what you just said, bro. Like they do, they just get it done. So true. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing they've taught me because you have no choice. If something goes down and if this breaks, this happens, this is dirty. There's no way to run around it in software. Like you can run around it. You can act. like, and, and other things like that I've been part of, I'm like, Sorry, we don't work past five. Not here. So I love the hustle. I've always said, like, love the hustle. Oh, open up a support ticket. (laughs) Then our our VA will get back to you. Like, here, you have no choice but to send someone to clean it. And if they can't, then they go do it. And then the bigger they grow, it's like they're building these, again, these structures that to me are impressive because they're so labor intensive. Like, I can run a $2 million company, $5 million company in our space with less than 20 employees. You know what I mean? Like, they can't. You have no choice. You're labor intensive. Yeah, so sure. the, the, their ability of doing that is, is really impressive to me. Cool. Well, look, guys, this has been a really interesting conversation. So I normally wrap it up with a couple of quick fire questions. But there's, as there's two of you, I'm going to ask one. And I will ask for you to give two points each. So what, what are they do you like think? one time like are they like one word type of answers like in a couple of sentences is fine okay, cool. Cool. so what do you feel are the four key skills so split two between you to growing a successful cleaning business split between us james you want to take it sure I'll, I'll go i'll go i'll throw my first two that way if if I was going to say one of yours. You have to come up with something new. Number one is literally great leadership. You can't overlook leadership. You can't run from leadership. If you have the title of founder, CEO, president, then you have to invest in developing you as a leader. And then number two, I would probably say the ability to keep going no, no no matter what's going on. Listen, business is not life and death, although people talk like it's life and death, but it is it is not for the faint hearted. So like having a relentlessness about you to keep going when obstacles come up, every every founder, CEO deals with an obstacle, just their ability to keep going and problem solve through it. They were probably my top two. That's my other, I mean, sales. I mean, if you that's one word right there. That's it. Company, <laughs> right? Like, so, so for, oh, seller or marketing, like whatever you're. And then the fourth one for me is going to be the finance, the finance, the financial. Since you already say like hiring, like the financial portion of it or talent development, so that you can like, if you have the funding for it, then go hire the experts. Hmm. So let me say, sales and delegation is going to be my my, my other two. Okay. That's go. really good. Sales delegation is great. So yeah, re- nice. leadership, relentless sales and delegation. Perfect. Well, look, guys, thank you very much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you online? You can go. You know what? If you guys want to know the most about us, check out the Profitable Cleaner podcast. That's really where all of our information is. Just Profitable Cleaner on iTunes, Spotify, all the major prof- platforms. And then if, if someone's listening to this and they are interested in transforming not just their business, but who they are, Check out our event. Just go to cleaningprofits.com. That's P R O P H E T S. 
profits.com. You'll see it on our podcast too. We'd love to have a chat with you. We're going to have some magic happen hmm. in September in, in Denver, Colorado. So we love some it, companies from the UK. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're from the UK and you want to commit to it, let us know. We'll work something out for you. Yo. Cause I know you got to try Cause I know they got to travel. So we'll, we'll create a growth lab code or something for it. We got a growth lab. For you. Yes, exactly. We will yeah, go ahead yeah. and commit to the, we'll commit to your audience and to you now, Matt. If someone from the UK travels, we will make this experience so badass for them, and it'll—it's the Growth Lab hookup. So I might get on the plane myself. What are you talking Let's about? Dude, come on out! Come on it's out! Like, just be like, yeah, hey, I have a client. The client is me. So, so yeah, yeah, man. Cool. Nah, I appreciate that, guys. Look, thank you very much for your time. I know we've gone over an hour, so thank you for sparing that. And hopefully, we can chat again soon. You got it. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks to you guys for listening to the Growth Lab podcast. You can access the show notes and free resources via the link in the episode description. And if you got some value from this podcast, please pay it forward and share it with others across social media or leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to as it would really mean the world to me. Hope you enjoy and subscribe and I'll see you in the next episode.